0: There is power in music, stories our lives, it moves our hearts, draws us into the Lord's presence. Sometimes we hear songs on the radio that just sort of get at where we're at. They express with words um, the things that we're feeling. There's a song lyric that I, I can identify with. There's a lyric that goes, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. (laughs) You know that song? (sighs) I hurry. I hurry way more than I should. I hurry way less than I used to. When I first got out of seminary, our family moved to Kansas City, and we um, started doing ministry at the church that I had kind of come from before I went to college, Church of the Resurrection. It's the largest United Methodist Church in the country. And I went back there as a 25-year-old, just out of school, and um, had the opportunity to start a new church community. And as we did so, uh, it meant that we got up at the crack of dawn on Sundays to haul trailers full of gear up to a junior high school, to unload trailers and turn a cafeteria into a worship space, to hold a couple of worship services, and then pack it all back up again, put it back in the trailer, and haul it off to our storage site. Meanwhile, trying to be present in the community and meet new people and and grow this starting faith community from uh, 100 people to over 800 people over the seven years I was there. It was busy, it was full, it was exciting, it was life-giving, but it was also utterly exhausting. And I got to a, a stretch of time where I realized I was totally out of gas. I had been working for the Lord, doing all sorts of good things as fast as I could, all the time I had. Somewhere along the line, our church raised money and bought some land, and I had a baby. And then we did a capital campaign, and it was time to build another building, or to build our first building, and we built that building, and then I had another baby. And I had stopped sleeping in the midst of all of that somewhere. And I also had stopped taking a Sabbath— in the midst of all of that so somewhere seven years into this journey when it looked like everything was going great and there were all of these external signs of God's grace and God's presence and goodness and achievement and success and I had a wall I was exhausted and I was burnt out and I couldn't go anymore Instead of taking regular stretches of time in which I would stop the work that I was doing, I pushed on, and I kept going, and somehow, perhaps because it was the church but probably also because our, our culture just celebrates busyness and achievement and accomplishment, I didn't slow down. I didn't rest until the day that everything just came to a screeching halt. There was a day in, in April that I called my bishop and I said, I need to not be at this church anymore. And in fact, I need to stop being at a church. And if you know anything about Methodist life, April, uh, when churches change pastors in July, April is, is way late to call a bishop to say, I think we need to make a change here. But I just hit the, hit the wall of not being able to go anymore. Part of this was because a new church life is really busy and, and, and there's lots of good and exciting things to do, but part of it, if I'm honest with myself, is because I'm an achiever. I'm a person that likes to make a to-do list and check things off the list. Some of you are this way, right? Like, I, I'm the type of person that, that if I did it and I hadn't written it on the list, I wanna write it on the list so I have one more thing that I can cross off. Because when you get to the end of the day and you have a list full of check marks, you think, you feel really good about yourself and the things that you've done. Well, I hit a wall at the end of that seven years and we just totally had to change everything about our lives. We ended up moving to Fort Worth, Texas where my husband got a job as a youth and college minister and I stayed home. I didn't know what to do with myself then. I was used to being so busy, and, and, and I had lots to do. I had small children at that point in time. But I didn't really know who I was, aside from all the going and doing and achieving and accomplishing and checking off to-do lists. God did some major work in my life in some of those years. It was like a lesson it learned the hard way. And it was a lesson that I hear echoes of in my life again and again now, and it usually comes with a reminder, Molly, I made you to stop doing. Six days you shall work, says the Lord, but on the seventh day you shall set it aside, a Sabbath, a day to keep holy unto me. It's in the Ten Commandments. Those are big things. Most of us don't do all of those things, except for maybe skip over that Sabbath part. It's a commandment, but it's also an invitation. It is uh, the way that God has designed us and our world that somewhere in the midst of our regular going and doing and check, check, checking, we stop. Full stop. And we recognize that the world doesn't turn because we keep going. We realize that that God is God and we are not. And in fact, we are God's and we can rest in his presence. We're talking about Sabbath. Uh, Why to practice Sabbath? Why we ought to have this strange stopping in the middle of our week and more than just an hour of worship service but that there ought to be a span of time in your every week, in my every week, where things look pretty different, where God is making us whole on that day that we dedicate as holy. This Isaiah passage comes at a time when the people have been conquered their, uh, their order and organization of life as they knew it had been toppled by the Babylonians. They get sent out into exile and, and all of their rhythms and routines are gone. Everything predictable and ordered in this world is just turned upside down. Maybe, maybe we know a little something of what that feels like. Things are a mess. In their lives and in their communities and somewhere along the way with the way that the rest of the world has kind of gotten out of whack they stopped all of their regular practices uh, of right worship and of honoring god and one of the things that they have stopped doing is they've stopped keeping the sabbath they've stopped keeping a day that is dedicated to god to be a a holy other kind of time and space And so the word comes through the prophet Isaiah here in chapter 58, and it's not condemning. It's not saying, shame on you, all of this bad stuff. It's all your fault because you didn't do. No, it's a promise. It's like God looks at them and says, hey, how's that working for you? Hope can be found if you would return to my ways, God says. We hear these verses, and he says, if you would refrain from trampling the Sabbath, if you would stop pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you would call the Sabbath a delight and a holy day to the Lord, if you would make it honorable, if you would honor it and not go your own ways, stop serving your own interests, stop pursuing your own affairs, if you would stop all that, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." God said, see, don't you you get it? I made you for rest. I made you to stop. I made you to worship me. I made you to delight in something other than your doing and your achieving. So give me this time, he says, and see if you won't be so unbelievably blessed. I think this Isaiah passage comes to us, too. If you feel like things are off course and kind of a mess, I dare you to keep the Sabbath. See if that doesn't totally rearrange the way that the other six days of the week look. You see, we have in us this desire for doing, for being, for consuming, for, for action, for life, and, and Dallas Willard says... Desire that is infinite. We have desire that is infinite, partly because we were made by God, for God, made to need God, made to run on God. And we can only be satisfied by the one who is infinite and able to supply all of our needs. We are only at home in God, but when we fall away from God, then the desire for the infinite still remains, but it's displaced upon things that certainly lead to destruction. What Willard is saying is, is we have this thing in us that, that longs for and seeks out and it's made for God. And if it doesn't land on God, if we don't preserve that time, that space, that dedication, that worship in our life, we will worship other things. And we will worship other things that will destroy us. We will fill that space, that void, that need in our life. Instead of it being filled with God, we will fill it with other stuff that will harm us. Sabbath literally means to stop. Shabbat, stopping. It's a day. It's a day of stopping. Stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying. Just stop. It's a chance to practice contentment. To say, this is what I've done, and this is what I have, and I can be at peace with that today. I mean, that's what God did. He made the whole world. Six days made all this beauty of creation, and he stepped back just for a whole day to admire it, to be content with what was there. And then from that place, then he started doing things again. We can do that too. But contentment takes practice. It takes doing regularly. It's, it, it's like shooting three fro- free throws. If you were a basketball player and you uh, want to have a, a great percentage, a free throw percentage, you need to practice those. Um, and if you practice them again and again, uh, you get better at them, they become second nature, and then when you're in a game and you're in a pressure situation and everybody's making all of this noise and there's all, all of the whole game riding upon it, you're more likely to be able to make them. Contentment is like that. If you have some time that is set aside, that is preserved for practicing contentment, you will find that actually all those other six days of the week, that contentment shows up. That peace that, that looks like something different from all of the busyness all around you, it, it shows up in all the other days. Uh, Sabbath is this day for us to set aside space to be content. Well, how do we do it? How do we have Sabbath? Well, it takes intentionality. It takes uh, preparation. You have to want to do this because the world doesn't operate on uh, sort of a schedule or a rhythm in which everybody stops for a period of time. Uh, You have to ask, when can I do this? And and when I pick a day and I pick a time, you have to be committed to it because there's going to be some things that you have to say no to. Figure out when you have 24 hours. And if you don't have 24 hours, figure out when you have 12 hours. If you don't have 12 hours, figure out when you have four hours. Preserve that space, that time. Mark it on a calendar. Put boundaries in place. Figure out this is what time Sabbath is going to start, and this is what time I can do some other things and go back to doing. Uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel writes on Sabbath, and he calls it holiness in time. A lot of us have sacred places, uh, places where we go to feel the holiness and experience God. Sabbath is, is sacredness of time, time set aside to experience the holiness of God. When we uh, preserve this time, uh, again, we have to say no to other things. We say yes to God, say yes to the kingdom, say, say yes to this time saved. It means we're going to have to say no to some other stuff. Uh, when you 're trying to figure out what you do with it so let's say you've figured out a time for us in our family it is Friday evening until Saturday evening um, it's, it's not Sunday because Sunday ends up being a work day for me um, but it also ends up being like the day that we do chores and household stuff and things like that so our Sabbath time we set it aside um, from Friday night to Saturday night a lot of times people do that they start at the towards the end of a day at an evening with a meal or, or some experience of um, slowing down. Um, and then it bridges from like that evening meal overnight, get good sleep that night, and then go into the next day and then and do some things that next day that uh, are life-giving. When you're thinking about what those things are, what is included in Sabbath, because Sabbath isn't just about stopping but it's also about doing some different things with that time and with that space. Uh, one of the questions that I love that, uh, that a pastor, John Mark Cromer asks, uh, what can I do to make this the best day of the week? It's a good question to spend some time with. What can I do to make this the best day of the week? It's gonna be different for us. We're made different ways, we have different gifts, we have different strengths. Um, what can I do that would bring just real joy and make this a really great day? Um, Answering emails is probably not that for any of us, so that's on the no list. Sabbath, it it can be considered, um, you can write down four things that you might consider if you're planning Sabbath time. Stopping, resting, delighting, and worshiping. Stopping, resting, delighting, and worshiping. So first to ask, what do you need to stop? If you're going to have Sabbath time, if this is the time dedicated to God, well, uh, first and foremost, the thing that in Scripture comes up most clearly is work. And that could be work, employment work. That could be uh, household work. Like just the tasks, the stuff you got to get done. That's where God's like, no, you have six days to do that. Leave one day without all that stuff. So make a list of the things you need to stop that you're not going to do during that Sabbath time. But also maybe it's things like worrying worrying about certain circumstances or situation. Maybe you need to stop um, wanting. Maybe it's a day you don't consume and and go to Target and buy all sorts of stuff you don't need. Uh, Stopping. Creating a a day of stopping. Then the next thing is, is resting. Most of us don't rest enough. For many of us, Sabbath probably ought to literally mean sleeping getting enough sleep. Maybe that is uh, getting a little bit more sleep in the overnight period, maybe that's taking a nap. One of the regular good and holy practices of Sabbath was nap time. And I don't know about you, but nap time at our house is holy and wonderful, life-giving, restorative time. Resting, maybe resting for you looks like time in nature. For a lot of us, it's getting outside, and maybe it's going for a walk, maybe it's sitting in a great chair, observing the world around us, something that gives you rest. Maybe it's time with other people. Time with other people in the Sabbath thing works one of two ways. It either brings you life and joy and is energizing, or, or maybe it's one of the things you need to not do because you need some quiet and alone and just use space. Um then we sort of shift into the delighting. What are the things that feed your soul? What are the things that, that that fill you with beauty and joy? Maybe you're creative. Maybe you're not even really very good at art, but you love to paint or draw or, or knit or, or woodwork or build things. Uh, uh, making things is something that historically a lot of people have done on the Sabbath. It's something where you do something with your hands that produces something else, and it just it brings you joy. Not not work. If that's your work, don't do that. But if, you're, if it, it restores beauty and joy in your life, um, you can do that. Maybe that is where uh, engaging with other people is a part of delight. Sometimes it's seeing kids or grandkids or, or neighbors or, or having a special meal with somebody that you love. Um, something that, that brings delight into your life. And then the other, the fourth piece is worshiping. What centers God in your heart? What leads to contentment and faith, thankfulness? Part of that certainly is worshiping with a community. We uh, have a Sabbath practice of gathering with other Christians to go to a church service to worship together. But there's lots of other things that center God in your heart and in your life. Maybe it's time of solitude, time by yourself. Maybe it's it's praying. Maybe it's reading something, devotional material. Maybe uh, it's—there are a lot of different types of things that you can do that that center God in your heart. A a Sabbath that is an endless stream of Netflix and laying on the couch is not worship. It's not centering God in your heart. It may be restful. It may not be. But it's not not actually Sabbath. It doesn't dig deep into that relationship with God. So you have to ask yourself, what, what is going to help me do that? And that's going to look a little bit different for everyone. In our family, we actually sit down and we like plan out. Um, we plan things out for a season. When soccer season starts, we kind of have to make some adjustments and things because uh, soccer games show up in the midst of our, our sort of chill family time, and they are not chill. They're family time. <laughs> they are not chill family time. Um, we talk about what, what makes for a good Sabbath, and my husband and I work together. Um, we have times in which our whole family does things. We do things with our kids. We do things that bless our kids. We have a family dinner, um, and we read a devotional time together. We pray for our kids. Um, Sabbath, traditionally, uh, generations would bless children, so parents, grandparents. um, They would speak a blessing over the children in a household, and there's something kind of unique and beautiful about that. Um, But we also find that that we need some time by ourselves, and we have to kind of work together in that. Like, okay, this is your hour to go close the door and be by yourself, and this is your hour to go for a walk in the neighborhood uh, without all the rest of us. So so you kind of work together in those things. We ask what gives life to us individually, but also to our children, and then how we can do some of that together. So we play games. We do art. We um, have at-home date night. We do things that that bring life and honor God in that time. And we say no, we say no a lot because there's all kinds of other things that would encroach in that. So just take a few minutes. That'll just a quick little task and it'd just be easier to do it today rather than tomorrow. But you have to preserve that time and, and have some boundaries and hold on to it. And it really does make you a healthier person really does bring life and I know this because when we sort of stray from it and we let other things encroach on it and we kind of give it away or we have a weird week and there's no Sabbath time at all we feel it And I'm really glad that I've learned to notice it much quicker than I did during those early years of ministry where, where I went years without stopping without resting when you get in a pattern of preserving Sabbath time in your life you realize this really does make me whole I wanna take one more minute and just recognize, for those of you that have kids at home, this feels like an impossible task. If your world is full of the craziness of of, of littles or people who need a lot, um, you really have to get creative and work hard. But hear me say that you don't need it any less than anybody else. It is good and life-giving, and even if it looks different for you because you're in it with all those little people together, The Sabbath time is something you were made for and that will give you life. Well, that's what all of this is for, a reordered life, a a rightly ordered life, to be in step, to be in rhythm with the way that God made us and, and God ordered the world. It gives us a healthy soul and a healthy spirit. It actually makes us more useful and more impactful on all those other six days of the week. You probably know this. If you overwork and you're one of those employees who works all day, every day, all the time, well, there's diminishing results, right? You become less effective over time. You're more exhausted or or, or less attentive. If you don't stop and replenish and refill and rest, you don't have anything that great to give out and to serve and to use. Sabbath invites us to declare, I am not God, to recognize our finitude, and to realize that not everything depends on me. And if we weren't totally sure that that God would not change the world with this idea of Sabbath, Jesus uh, was crucified on a Friday, beaten and hung on a cross. The land went dark through the hours of the middle of the day. He comes to the end of the day and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And says, it is finished, and he hangs his head, and they take his body down. And they quickly have to make preparations for those bodies and put them into a tomb because the Sabbath is beginning. When it feels like everything has stopped, when everything has fallen apart for those first followers of Christ, when the whole world was actually stopping to practice this Sabbath practice, God was defeating death, overcoming evil, doing the unseen that was unfathomable to all of the people. In the midst of what looked like dying, he brought life. It happened on the Sabbath. In those Sabbath hours when everyone else stopped, God was saving the world. Anytime you're struggling with the idea of Sabbath, can I stop? Can I do this? Will it be good? Will it bring life? Remember, during those hours when you stop, you let God do some of his very best work. He will do it in you and with you. And you will find that all those other days of the week are filled with more joy and more delight when you trust in God with this day. Will you pray with me? Lord, may we trust in you, that you are the one that saves us, that you are the one that accomplishes the things that matter that you are the one that gives us gifts to use in our work in this world. In fact, for many of us, you've given us callings. You've given us opportunities to do really good and important stuff in the fields in which we work, in the families in which we raise. You've given us really meaningful and purposeful work, and we're glad for that. But help us to keep that in right proportion, right priority, that there would always be space for worship and for rest, for delighting in the world that you have made and the ways that you have made us. Lord, may we explore and find the joys and the brilliance of Sabbath. May we honor you in it, and through that kind of time, we pray that you would reorder our lives and that you would reorder our world. We offer ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as we come to sing our last song, I invite you to consider uh, the ways in which God is calling, nudging, convicting, uh, and leading. Maybe there is something that you need to say yes to today. Maybe there's something you need to say no to. You need to stop doing. Maybe you're looking for a community to share this journey with, and you'd like to make this your church home. Maybe uh, God is is is, is sort of welling up some other prayer request in you, I invite you to pay attention to that as you, um, as we sing this last song together and as we prepare to go back out to all the stuff that calls for our attention and, and that the week will have for us, um, open your eyes and ears to how God is moving here now in this moment in your life.